The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Right now, though, want to get to this. It's some details of a global news investigation that shows the Alberta Energy Regulator was sounding the alarm bells last spring over orphaned wells. Staff were warning that some companies were walking away from the sites and that the pandemic made an existing problem even worse. We're joined this afternoon by Global Edmonton investigative reporter Julia Wong. Hi, Julia. Welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. All right, Julia. So uh, give me an idea. Let's start with this. When we talk about uh, orphaned wells, inactive wells, um, for those who don't know what they are and how many of them there are in the province. Can you fill us in on that? Sure. So um, first off, inactive wells are wells that have stopped producing for a certain period of time. Um, There's the possibility that they could start producing again, but um, internal documents that we obtained from the AER show that that is a very small percentage that actually come back online. Mm. And then orphan wells are wells that um, have been left behind because their companies essentially just went under. So there's no one left to take care of them. They then fall under the care of the Orphan Well Association. So in this we are looking more mainly at uh, the inactive well count in the province and what we found is uh, back in 2016 the number of inactive wells in Alberta was around like 77 78,000 as of September of this year we're pretty close to 100,000 so that's a pretty big jump from for you know just over a period of four years it is, uh, without a doubt. And Julia, I'm, I'm curious to know, um, what is the responsibility of the people who own those wells by the oil companies to take care of them? If they're if they're inactive, they decide, okay, you know, whether because of the economy or it's not producing anymore oil, whatever that is, um, what is the responsibility of the company to take care of that site? So, yeah, the, the company essentially is supposed to deal with everything involved with that well. You know, they decide when it becomes inactive, they decide if they want to turn it back on. They're responsible for, well, if we don't want to use it anymore, then we have to plug it out. We have to fully remediate it. So they are responsible for sort of all the ins and outs related to that. Okay, so they're responsible for that. But what we're seeing is that there are many uh, wells that are not being taken care of in that way, right? Yeah, so we obtained some documents uh, through Freedom of Information from the AER, and they show a presentation that took place in May to the AER board. And it was pretty straightforward. Essentially, they were saying because of COVID, and obviously we know that because of COVID, people are not traveling as much, people are not on planes as much, and so demand in, in general overall is down. And what they found is that COVID has essentially um, made an existing problem even worse. So we, we've known that inactive wells have been an issue in the province for decades, really. This has been a long-standing uh, problem in the province. But with COVID, they were finding, okay, many companies are shutting down because perhaps they, they don't see the demand, so they're not sure if they will even need to use these, uh, these wells. They also found that not only are some companies shutting down, but they may not ever restart. So then, obviously, that's a concern. What happens to those companies' wells? Mm-hmm. And then the ones that are shutting down, um, some of them aren't following the proper suspension and decommissioning procedures. And experts who we talked to say there are environmental concerns that stem from that because there are concerns over contamination, over leaks, that type of thing. 
Yeah, interesting. In your in your report, it says the AER warned in a September 2019 briefing note to officials at Alberta Energy and the Environment Ministry that there were enough companies in financial distress to result in a landslide of new orphan wells adding up to a 480% increase over two years. And the increase would be equivalent to tens of thousands of wells that would cost billions of dollars to clean up. Those those numbers are staggering, Julie. When you, Julia, when you when you when you read that when you hear that yeah and in particular when you uh, take a closer look at the briefing note that says essentially you know the, the closure rates are, are not keeping pace so we are not keeping mm-hmm. pace with how many wells are over time becoming orphan and you know this is something we brought up with cap the canadian association of petroleum producers we brought it up with mm-hmm. epac the explorers and producers association of canada we brought it up with the energy minister and and they all say well no this is a priority um our members uh these companies they know what they need to do and and what they are saying is that it's a very small minority of companies that are not keeping up with regulation that are not doing things that they are supposed to be doing so that is what industry is saying but obviously these numbers are quite (laughs) alarming and experts who we talked about these numbers they weren't surprised you know we we initially when we approached them um were surprised by the numbers and they said well no this problem has been in the province for years so we should have known that the number would grow this big this should not be a surprise to anyone who's been keeping an eye on the industry is essentially what the experts told us yeah, so, you know, the, the, the industry saying one thing, other folks saying, hey, just take a look at the numbers. They're right here in front of you. They're rather, they're, they're obvious. In fact, I think the quote from the story says that uh, the Explorers, uh, Explorers and Producers Association of Canada and the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers said they are not aware of their members walking away from their sites. Uh, interesting stuff. So um, I, I thought, uh, Julia, that um, the Alberta government offered up a whole bunch of cash uh, either earlier this year, late last year to help deal with orphan wells in a way, number one, to help deal with that situation, that issue that's in the province, and also as a way to uh, get some people back to work. What what is going on with, with that? Yeah, so that was money um, that the federal government was offering companies in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and British Columbia, mainly, you know, so these wells could be cleaned up, but also to ensure that uh, people who are working in the sector are actually still able to work. So that money has been divvied out. We talked to the Orphan Well Association. They said that has been very helpful. Um, the association has received funding from different levels of government, you know, over the last several years. Um, and what we heard from them is this money is good, that it is helpful helping them and it will help them in the short term. So those were sort of the key words that we picked up from that interview. The fact that they said short term, not long term. Um, (laughs) So what we heard from the experts uh, is that it is just a matter of time before this issue becomes even bigger. The the wording of one particular expert, a law professor at the University of Calgary, he says, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Like we will see sort of this snowball effects and it's only a matter of time before it catches up to us and that's why um, experts are saying we need to make changes to how this industry is overseen. All right, so a couple of things there. I mean, there might be some people out there wondering, okay, well, why why do we have to do anything about these in the first place? Can you expand on that for those who, who don't know? I mean, is it safety hazard, environmental concerns? What is it? 
Yeah, it's, it's honestly it's a little bit of everything. Um, there are environmental concerns, you know, if these inactive wells are not properly cleaned up, and some of them have been inactive for a long time because there is no timeline that the province has set for them to be cleaned up. There are environmental concerns, as I mentioned earlier, you know, leaks, contamination, that type of thing. But um, experts in particular pinpointed the financial impacts that this could have on taxpayers, that in the end, they are worried that this is something the public purse will have to deal with. And so obviously the question is, well, how, like, what's the connection here, right? So you have these inactive wells, and we know because of obviously the issues that we've seen in the province over the last few years in the sector and the fact that COVID has really exacerbated a lot of problems, that many companies will not be able to make it. Many companies will, in the end, have to fold because they don't have the finances to keep on running. So they will probably, you know, start with trying to sell off some of the wells to other companies. Some of them might just become inactive. But if they go under, then all those wells will end up under the purview of the Orphan Well Association. And so, as I mentioned earlier, the association does get some funding uh, from the government. Industry pays into that. But the concern is that if more companies go under and if that number continues to grow, then the association will not have the money that it needs to clean up all these wells. And in the end, that will have to come back to taxpayers. So we will be left footing that bill, essentially. And the numbers that we have seen and the numbers that experts have pegged to this, you know, it's not just a million here, a million. Like, we're talking big sums of money, like tens of millions of dollars. And that is something that Albertans need to be aware of. Yeah, is this the, the the number that $260 billion in liabilities in a worst-case scenario, is that the number we're associating with this? Yeah, and, and to be clear, that is not just for wells. That's also for other, uh, other parts of that sector. Okay. Um, we have talked to the province and, and, you know, CAP and EPAC about these numbers before, and all were very clear in saying, well, this is just a worst-case scenario. But okay. it's, it's important to know that this is a number that has been pinpointed as a possibility. Yes, it may be a, a worst-case scenario, but it is a possibility that the province is looking at. And Julia, it seems to me that the province has known that this has been an issue for a very, very long time. Um, I, I'm wondering why more hasn't been done along the way to put in uh, tougher rules to uh, for companies to make sure that uh, that uh, the, the sites are, are taken care of, that the cleanups are done. What did you find out about that? Yeah, and that's a really good question. Um, experts who we talked to, they say... You know, in the past, previous governments were kind of just pushing this off down the road. You know, no one wants to disrupt a sector that is doing really well in the province, that is contributing to the livelihoods of Albertans. Mm -hmm. um, we talked to the NDP, uh, the former energy minister, when the NDP were in power, and what we heard from um, Mark McQuaid Boyd is that, you know, they were looking at putting in more measures, but hey, then the election was called, and we couldn't really implement everything that we wanted to. So that's what we heard from her, and, and now in particular, obviously, the UCP are in power, and they're saying, well, we're we're taking this um, by the horns and we're taking these immediate steps, steps that they say no other government has previously taken. Um, so that is something to note. But uh, we did bring up with the minister some options that other jurisdictions are using to try and deal with these numbers. And, you know, some she, so she admitted that they are exploring and then others she said, well, we're not going to go in that direction.
direction. So, I wanted to ask you about those other jurisdictions. What is what is happening on this front in other jurisdictions? What are other places doing to make to make sure that that the, the responsibility is there to take care of this situation when when all is said and done? Yeah, so British Columbia, um, our neighbor to the west, they just last year introduced timelines for cleanup. Um, so in effect, companies have you know X number of months after a well reaches a certain point that they have to clean it up and remediate it, and then you know at least that well is looked after. Um, we don't have that in Alberta. We don't have any timelines. Obviously, there are indications that people would like it done sooner rather than later, but there is no set timeline that any company has to abide by and there are wells that we've seen in the province uh, looking at lists that the AER has on their website these public lists that have been you know inactive for decades um, so it, it becomes an issue of well when will you actually deal with that because it's been an inactive well for so long um, another jurisdiction that we looked at was New Mexico um, they are similar to to Alberta, a very large uh, producing state in that country. Um, and they have, uh, I guess what you would call deposits, security deposits, bonding, there's sort of different words that you can use. But this is money that companies have to provide upfront that essentially uh, tells the state, hey, this is money that you can use if, you know, things don't go well, this is money that has been set aside for cleanup. And they require that from every company before they actually start work. They've made those rules stricter over the years, they've made them more stringent over the years, and they say it's worked, like they are doing that because they don't want to put this on the taxpayers. Um, and we don't have those exact same rules in our province. And Julia, that seems to me the the, uh, the the way that they're doing it in New Mexico to really be a, a no-brainer. You put the money up front, you make sure it's there, and then, you know, when all is said and done, you have the cash to clean things up. Now, I'm a talk show host. I'm not uh, I'm not an expert in, in orphan or inactive wells, but that seems to me that that would be um, an obvious way to do it. Yeah, it's something that they have done for a very long time. I actually asked them to find the date for me of when they started doing this, and they said it's been happening for so long that they don't even have that date on hand. Um, when we brought this up with industry, you know, the the wording that we hear from them, the responses that we hear from them are, well, that's just dead capital. That's dead capital that's sitting there. It's capital that we could be using. And yeah. so obviously there are downsides to them for, for yeah. doing something like that. Now, to be clear, the regulator does have um, some type of system for collecting some deposits from companies, but that is only when they are starting to be in a tough financial situation. So um, in effect, and I'll just simplify this for, for listeners because it is a little complicated, but in effect, when um, their assets cannot keep up with their liabilities, they have to start paying these deposits. But essentially, you're asking a company that's already in dire straits or could be in even worse dire straits to be providing you money. And so experts tell us that doesn't make sense. They're quite critical of that particular framework. Quickly, Julia, before I let you go, I know um, you, you didn't just go through all of the paperwork. You didn't just uh, do all of the interviews with the players in this. You, you talked to some folks who actually have some of these wells on their property. You, you know, the, the firsthand accounts about their concerns. What did they tell you? Yeah, we spoke to um, a woman named Verna Fippen. She lives in Westeros. Um, she has a very large property there, and over the years, she and her husband have allowed oil and gas 
onto that particular property. And um, in the time that I spent with Verna on her property, she said, you know, initially when they came, she was a young mother. She was kind of dealing with a lot of different things, um, being a young mother, so she wasn't really paying attention. But over the years, they started noticing just different issues that were stemming from allowing oil and gas on their land. And that became um, a burden for her. That became something she started to worry about. Obviously, she was concerned. She was telling me about her children and what impact that may be having on her children. And you could see that over time, things have really worn down on her. She's kind of become an advocate. She has done a lot of research. She has talked to companies you know, on end for hours. Yeah. And this has sort of become her passion now so that other people are aware of what it's like for oil and gas to come onto their land. Julia, great work on this one. Really uh, eye-opening as well. want to thank you for joining us this afternoon, for making time out of your busy schedule. I know you're juggling all sorts of things every day, but I really appreciate your time. Thanks for this. Oh, thanks for having me.